Coming up this week on Breaking Badness. Today, we're switching things up from talking about current events to talking about our favorite cybersecurity and infosec books, capped off by sharing what we're currently reading, industry material or not. With that, Breaking Badness is next. Welcome to Breaking Badness special book club episode uh, recorded on Tuesday, December 12th, 2023. I am your co-host, Callie. I still miss Borders Books, Fencil. And with me, our co-host, Ian, security oops engineer, Campbell. And last but not least, Daniel, no time like today, Schwalbe. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello. Hello. Uh I miss Borders too, for the record. Oh my god, I love Borders so much. Like, and I don't, I can't figure out why. Really, do you know the the answer, Ian? I don't. I don't. <laughs> I think I think it was just such a grab bag uh, for people like us. Like we could go in and sort of root around and find whatever we wanted. Yeah. Um, though maybe I'm maybe I'm projecting, but that that's what it was for me. Well, that. It used to be like on a Friday night, like my family would go to it was a local um, record store called My Generation and like just sift through like whatever they had and then like go a little down the road to Borders and like I would get a book and like there might be hot chocolate in there. Um, And it was just lovely. (laughs) So I've lived here. Almost 25 years, and I never once shopped at a border. So it was like Barnes & Noble all the way. Hmm. Interesting. And nowadays, the concept of a like physical bookstore is so quaint. It is. Oh, my gosh. It is so quaint. I actually, I, I didn't put it on my list, but I read, it was like a young adult novel earlier this year. It was called, it's, it's not a great title. It's, I think it's called The Bookshop of Dust and Dreams. But it's like you like it's people visit this bookstore from different time periods and like they have a rule that if you're from like a later time period you can't fill in the blanks for people from the older time periods and and that and then like there's like you know like a monster or something they have to fight i can't remember but like the majority of that book before they have to fight that monster is very quaint Hmm. yeah good stuff good stuff so, are we uh, we ready to talk about some books? Are you guys avid readers? I I'm, I invited you, assuming you were. <laughs> I am always ready to talk about books. You, when figured. you asked for w- what we were currently reading, I just listed half a dozen, and <laughs> th- it's not a complete list. So excellent, excellent. What about you, Daniel? Yeah, the day job requires so much reading about boring or scary things. So I do like to. Um, occasionally partake in some fiction consumption. Uh, I'm going to make a statement here that I will probably get a bunch of hate mail about, but I actually prefer to consume my books uh, as audiobooks because I am always doing something and just finding, you know, half an hour, an hour to sit down and quietly read a book is a luxury. But uh, I find unabridged versions, ideally read by the author, as long as they're not horrible at it, are my preference and with that i can probably do you know about two or three titles a month nice 
Yeah, I think that's just as valid. I, I split a chunk of my reading time to audiobooks just so that I'm not staring at a screen for that that amount of time. Right. And I, I've seen the argument that, like, you know, if you're somebody that says, you know, audiobooks don't count, like it's kind of an ableist argument, which I which I agree with, you know, thinking about, uh, you know, maybe somebody that's, you know, having sight issues. I'm sure an audiobook is a great option, you know, other than, you know, the Braille options out there. Um, yeah. Plus, yeah. plus the whole thing about people being different types of learners, people are different types of readers, too. Yeah. Some are visual, some are audio. So I, I, I'd say it's just as valid. Yeah. And I'd say like, um, like, you know how sometimes you'll go to like a conference and there's, there's usually somebody knitting and they usually say like, I need something to do with my hands while I'm listening to this. And, and usually I find like, I need to be doing something while I'm quote unquote reading this book. And I feel like I'm like I'm absorbing it better because I'm doing something else while I'm doing that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. These are great, great stuff. I will say, I think this kind of leads us nicely into Ian what you said about you know not staring at a screen all day because my first pick uh, for my infosec um, book is it's an ebook but it's Blue Nomicon the Def- the Network Defenders Compendium. Um, shared by um, Splunk earlier this year. And I say not looking at a screen all day because um, I did this, this mamma jamma of an ebook. I printed it out. Um, I'm sure Daniel will be very mad at me for printing it out, but um, I'm like, <laughs> I cannot stare at the screen and read this whole thing. I'm, I'm not quite sure how long it is. Actually, let me pull it up. Oh boy. Oh boy. It's, it's over a hundred pages. Oh boy, it's still going. One thirty-six. Wow. Yeah, I yeah. So I printed it out because um, plug for the library. My library has ten dollars of free printing every week. So. Wow, like, that's yeah. pretty impressive. I'm not it's, sure I know a library where that's still possible. I know, I know, and that's like the library in my parents' town, because uh, the one in my town is like you can have like a quarter's worth of free printing and then we're going to charge you for the rest. So yeah, I printed it out. Um, and uh, just to take take people through, you know, what, what Blue Nomicon is. So I actually was curious about the title. Um, I heard about Blue Nomicon from John DiMaggio, who I met at RSA earlier this year, and he's actually a contributor for Blue Nomicon. And fun fun fact, he'll be on the podcast talking books um, in a few episodes, which is going to be fun to have. But he uh, mentioned the book and he was unsure about the title, I remember. Um, but I looked it up and Nomicon is a book of knowledge on a specific topic. So we're looking at um, blue teaming as the specific topic of, of knowledge. So that tracks and I will say, like, one of my favorite things about this book is, um, or this, I'm just going to call it a book because 136 pages, that's a book. <laughs> it's not just an ebook. Um, I, I love the illustrations that are in it. There's not a ton overpowering it, but the ones that are there, it's, you know, it's kind of like medieval meets tribal meets like futuristic. It's, it's very well done. Like it's, and the, the tone of it. Um, I, it's just, it flows together so nicely in a way that you, you might not think an industry book 
would would do that in terms of its prose. But um, it talks about so, its, oh, go ahead. It, so is it like a collection of yes. uh, uh, a bunch of different? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a compendium of essays from a lot of different people in the industry. Um, so, it, you know, like people like Sherrod DeGrippo, Richard Holland, um, Jamie Williams. He um, is a friend of the podcast. Um, he like he's got a an essay in there. Um, Ashley Benj and of course, John DiMaggio and, and so many more. Um, I'm not sure how many in total. But um, it is broken up into three parts. Um, the first is Council of the Sages. Um, and that section is for those who are recognized as leaders in the industry um, and, and the importance of um, good leadership in the field. Um, so those are essays dedicated to that subject. And then the second section is called The Wisdom of Cybersecurity Wizards. Um, and this is more of the information um, of stories from the field, from practitioners. Um, and then the final section is um, tales from blue team heroism, which is um, what they describe as more esoteric strategies um, needed to protect oneself from threats. So it kind of um, leads up to, you know, these these more intense stories Um you know, from, from researchers, which is really cool. But, um, yeah, this, this, uh, this book is, you know, talking about incident investigation response and, um, techniques for safeguarding, you know, against internet badness. It's, it's really cool. Um, I think, you know, it's on purpose, a kind of Lord of the Ringsy, uh, in terms of, you know, storytelling. It's, it's really cool. Well, first of all, that sounds neat. Go ahead, Dean. Shout out to Sherrod, formerly of Proofpoint, now of Microsoft, a uh, longtime friend of the show and uh, you know, internet security luminary. Um, if they, whoever put this together, Splunk or whatever, if they can get the actual authors to read them, I would definitely listen to that. Yeah, that's something else, too. It's like if that was an audiobook, I would listen to that. 100%. I'm trying to read John, John DiMaggio's book right now. Um, the art of cyber warfare. Um, and I, I say trying as if like, it's, it's difficult. It like, it's, it's not an arduous process. Um, but it's like, I would like somebody to read this to me audiobook style. And I'm wondering like, what if I just called him like an hour <laughs> a day? <laughs> would you read your book to me while I garden or something? <laughs> Check. Maybe he's on cameo. You can uh, have him read that way. Yeah. So, this yeah. could be a whole different uh, podcast. Uh, <laughs> cyber authors reading their books to you to go to sleep at night <laughs> and have nightmares. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Oh, my kitty really wants to be part of this podcast too. Hello, you, kitty. You cannot could try Simon. that. Telling that to a cat, Simon. I thought he might meow. Anyway, oh. anyway. So that's that's my pick. How about how about we uh, kick it over to you, Ian? What are your pick or picks? So I've got two, and one's kind of normal, and one's less normal. Um, first one I'd say is the the more normal one, which is Countdown to Zero Day by journalist Kim Zetter. Um, she's well known to anyone that pays attention to the infosec space. She's been a powerhouse journalist for more than two decades now, I think. Um, in a micro sense, Countdown tells the story of Stuxnet 
in detail that wasn't available previous. Uh, it's exhaustively researched and compellingly told. And sort of in a larger sense, uh, Zetter lays out one of the first deep dives on the idea of a digital weapon and the philosophy and the debates surrounding it, including a bunch of background from uh, some of the folks in the actual first working groups in the Pentagon and uh, other institutions that were wrestling with these topics really uh, before anybody else. Um, it, uh, it, it talks about the steep rise in offensive cyber operations, especially of the surveillance sort, and uh, the development of both government and private sector ways of understanding and mitigating this whole new environment. Um, so it's, it, it's a fantastic book. I think it was uh, 2014, 2015, that it came out. So it was sort of one of the first real deep dives in terms of infosec um, uh, investigative journalism that I can recall. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure like um, our listeners are probably familiar with Kim Zetter from her, you know, her work with Wired too. I think we, we might've mentioned countdown to zero day in the last episode. We just didn't get, to cover it the way we would have liked to. So I'm glad we're talking about it now. It will also yeah. nicely dovetail into my recommendation, but I'll wait my turn, but it's a nice complimentary text. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Is it, uh, uh, Zetter also keynoted Black Hat uh, 2022, which was really fun to see uh, in person. Uh, thank you, Daniel. <laughs> um, and uh She's always worth listening to, especially uh, the ongoing Wired article. She's one of the reasons that I'm a paid subscriber to Wired. So uh, I definitely uh, enjoy her writing. Um, my second book is completely unrelated to InfoSec. Um, it's a, a book that was originally uh, recommended by Swift on Security, the, uh, the social media personality, um, although that that doesn't do uh, Tay justice, but um, uh, Tay originally uh, Tay recommended uh, Normal Accidents by Charles Perrow, who's a Yale sociologist, and he's writing this book in 1984, and it has uh, nothing to do with InfoSec, and at the same time, everything. Um, he goes through a bunch of industrial accidents and industrial systems, Um pretty painstakingly from the nuclear industry to air travel, petrochemical plants, marine accidents. Um, he does a excellent job at understanding accidents as results of uh, system interactions, including the humans involved and how complex systems in particular are prone to uh, surprising and unexpected interactions. Um, this plays deeply into technology in general, IT in particular, and security almost perfectly, I'd say. Um, Perro, uh, Perro goes into two things in uh, particular detail. Interactive complexity as a system characteristic that increases the likelihood of the system performing or not performing in unexpected ways during a critical incident. And he also goes into um, the quality of loosely or tightly coupled systems. So a tightly coupled system is uh, um, processes that happen very fast and can't be turned off. The failed parts can't be isolated from other parts. Or there is no other way to keep the production going safely. 
which I'm sure doesn't sound familiar to anyone who works in software or uh, uh, software engineering or IT engineering anywhere. Right, Daniel? Yep. Um, having come into my own in technology as someone on the sidelines in IT, but having the privilege of watching things like Farsight Security Engineering, Standups, or Domain Tools, Scrum of Scrums, it's a way of observing that appeals greatly to me. Um, if uh, interactive complexity and tight coupling uh, inevitably will produce an accident, Perro uh, says, I believe we are justified in calling it a normal accident, which is where the title of the book comes from. This refers not to frequency of the accident, but that it's an integral characteristic of the system, and such accidents are a deep part of uh, IT and security. So the, the book itself, uh, again, having nothing to do with uh, software or uh, uh, security has everything to do with it. Very cool. Do, do you remember the, um, you said recommended by Swift on security, like was that on social media or like what was the original context around getting that recommendation? Uh, that was on Twitter. Um, uh, Tay shut it out there um, literally as a, this has nothing to do with technology and everything to do with technology um, and really was right. It's, it's been a fantastic, uh, fantastic recommendation. Let's help me understand systems more. Very cool. Daniel, have you read uh, Normal Accidents? Uh, I have not. Sounds very interesting, though. I might add it to my, uh, to my hopper. Do they have an audiobook? Good question. I don't know. That's the I only way it's going to get read. Unfortunately, yeah, that, that's it. that's a sad part. I, I don't know that I've seen one yet, but I'll keep my eye out for it. Very cool, though. That's a great. These are great suggestions. Um, what? How about uh, we hear from Daniel now? Yes. So uh, my recommendation pick is. This is how they tell me the world ends, a, the cyber weapons arms race by Nicole Perlroth. Um, it, I could not put that thing down. I couldn't hit pause on it. Like I think I burned through it on a, on a weekend doing yard work or something, listening to it nonstop. Uh, Nicole Perlroth is a investigative reporter. Uh, she's also done a bunch of keynotes and has been published in various places, but I think she cut her teeth at the New York Times. Uh, she was involved in some um, of the early analysis of like the Snowden leaks, et cetera, um, of the documents. And then uh, this particular book deals with um, essentially the, the early days of zero days, uh, zero day markets. Uh, so like cyber warfare involving nation states and the early access brokers who would buy and then resell zero days, uh, which would and then end up, it oftentimes turn into them being weaponized and then how various governments got involved to take zero days off uh, the market so the bad guys wouldn't be able to use them, etc. It's It's very fas fascinating. And I've been doing InfoSec for almost 25 years now. And this is like right around the time early on, late 90s, when this really started being a thing. So she um, refers and mentions a whole bunch of people and names in that book that are very familiar, some of which I've encountered. Uh, over the years, some of which I've just know about, and uh, it's it's fascinating. You know, my my various work backgrounds uh, prior to domain tools also nicely dovetail into this. So 
uh, I learned some things about some uh, certain things, how they were happening that make a whole lot more sense now based on what I've seen. So I highly recommend it uh, if you're at all interested in sort of whatever brief history comparatively InfoSec has, this does a really nice job uh, summarizing how how certain things came to be, how there was early companies that, you know, would essentially buy zero days from, you know, just people who would find them and then make some money of it and then it would be commercialized. But when, when the nation states uh, enter and even like United States government uh, agencies to try to uh, buy zero days to not let them be used by adversaries is 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 pretty uh, uh fascinating yeah absolutely ian, ian have you read this this choice i have i have not it's it's very high on my to be read list but i have not uh actually read it yet i i've uh previously loved nicole pearl roth's uh, reporting so it's uh, it's gonna elevate a couple more places on my uh to be read list now there's a there's a various discussions of some of the more well-known high-profile cyber techs. Stuxnet gets discussed at length and how that came to be. So that's where it uh, crosses over to Ian's recommendation. Uh, she talks about WannaCry ransom and uh, the ransomware attack and uh, what, what was all related to that. So there, there'll be names dropped in there that even like the, the general public, if they've listened to some of the coverage of the more high profile cyber attacks that they will recognize. Excellent. And I like that you, you both independently chose um, books by female authors, which is pretty cool. Like uh, I, I had shared uh, for our listeners, I had shared with them the list of the books that we had covered in our first episode, just so there's, you know, not a lot of uh, spillover and uh, and Ian had astutely pointed out that there were no uh, there were no females uh, listed on that on that list. So we needed to get some representation. I think it's cool that you both did that independently of each other. That's just kind of how we, we roll. <laughs> That's why Daniel and I get along. But yeah, it, uh, I try to be more mindful of who I'm reading and what how how diverse of a spectrum they represent these days uh and i i realized that i i don't do great on this uh, metric either so uh, I, I need to step up my game so uh, if anybody has uh, suggestions for uh, uh infosec or cybersecurity books written by uh women or uh, uh non-binary folks please shoot them at me for sure i mean i mean daniel do you have any thoughts on that any more uh, potential authors we could look at, um, just because I think Ian, you had mentioned you, sh you know, sent a note out on Mastodon, and uh, the responses weren't, you know, terribly high. Um, I don't have anything off the top of my head. Uh, I think this is a, you know, a. I think we've talked about it in different episodes of the podcast before. This unfortunately still is very much a male-dominated industry, and so you know, of of those that are part of the industry who then also write books that are, you know, getting published at a level where it actually is going to attract some attention. I think you get into such rarefied air that uh, unfortunately uh, the male dominance there kind of uh, prevails, which is unfortunate. I mean, I, there's some of the, uh, you know, female internet security luminaries, uh, again, mm -hmm. shout out to Sherrod. Uh, I think who could 
write books about some very interesting things. Now, you know, some sensitivity, obviously, we can't talk out of school about specific details, but I think there's a way you can talk about certain things without mentioning specific details and still make it uh, interested, interesting. So I hope there's more of this to come. Yeah, I've got a, a couple sort of queued up on my to-be-read list, which grows by the day. <laughs> um, uh, 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 Shoshana Zuboff is another, if I remember right, uh, also an investigative journalist who wrote the, uh, the Age of Surveillance Capitalism, which has a lot of uh, overlap, I think, with InfoSec uh, concerns. So that's on my list. Um, Mary Manzikian wrote the Introduction to Cyber Politics and Policy, which is high on my list. Um, uh, Valentina Costa Gascon, if I remember right, I, I've actually seen a, uh, I saw a uh, um, threat intel presentation by her. And uh, she has a book called Practical Threat Intelligence and Data-Driven Threat Hunting that is also on my list. So, so the books are out there. And uh, part of it is a, a failing on me that I haven't, um, I, I haven't uh, prioritized them uh, as much as they should. But I'm always uh, interested in getting more book recommendations as well. Yeah, speaking of investigative journalists, I think because of the very nature of their work, uh, you know, publishing articles in more real time is, of course, uh, what what we're all looking for. Because if something like a book is going to take, you know, a year plus from inception to getting it published, so sometimes that's just not fast enough. But investigative journalists, um, I think, are at the tip of the spear there because they are already gathering all of that information and then like turning some of it into a book later on makes great sense. Yeah, we here at Domain Tools uh, have a longstanding history uh, and Farsight did prior to the acquisition as well of training investigative journalists uh, in our tool set. Uh, and now we have grants available uh, to give access to investigative journalists um, if they can kind of at a high level articulate what, what it is that they're looking for. And so uh, my colleague Kelly, who's also been on the uh, podcast before, and I typically go to the annual NICAR conference, which is a conference uh, of investigative journalists, and we provide training there. So there's a, I have a very uh, soft spot for investigative journalists, especially in the cyber realm. Um, one of my first jobs uh, while I was still in school was actually a stringer for a local newspaper and like, you know, write reports about the, you know, annual meeting of the Bunny Breeders Association or whatever, like human interest stuff that, you know, people want covered, but no, you know, full-time reporter is going to waste their time on. So uh, I, I like investigative journalists and newspaper journalism in general. So all of this is uh, very much up my alley. I, I kid you not, the fact that we train investigative journalists and that we uh, provide them with grant access to the tools is one of my favorite things uh, about uh, Farsight uh, Security previously and about domain tools currently. And it's just one of the things that makes me proudest of uh, our company. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure Kelly would probably love to join us to talk about some books as well. Uh, do, do you think she could be persuaded? Yeah. I definitely asked a question. Excellent. Excellent. Perfect. Well, do we want to kind of pivot into talking about what we're currently reading? And that can be either um, InfoSec related or not. Like it could be, you know, any any other genre. Sounding good? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
Okay, cool. So uh, for my list of what I'm currently reading, um, so I'm reading The Far Traveler, which is Voyages of a Viking Woman and Missing Witches, Recovering True Histories of Feminist Magic. And for having those two picks, I did not notice that the list of what we currently covered was all men. So what does that say about me? That you're human. (laughs) (laughs) Not a very good feminist, I suppose, uh, is what it says. But I'm not I'm not very far into either of these books yet. So I don't I can't really talk about I can't talk about them at length yet. But I I'm really I got really excited the other day because um I found so I primarily use the Libby app um, for audiobooks and um, Daniel and I we've talked about this before but you have to sometimes you have to wait um, and waiting can sometimes be a virtue but most of the time it's my it's horrible <laughs> um, but some my friend uh, mentioned um, that Spotify has audiobooks as well which I have access to but didn't realize and I went nuts. I'm like, look at all the books that I don't have to wait for. So these two have, um, you know, as we as we cross do cross um, social media, like on my Pinterest board, I have a book board and these two have been on my list forever. I just couldn't, you know, get the audiobook version because the Libby app actually didn't even have them. So I'm very excited to uh, to get to get to reading these. I will say, um, I shared this, I shared this with Ian, um, in our, in the neurodivergent, um, ERG that I had just finished, um, this book called the book of overthinking, which I found to be very helpful. Uh, you know, when you're stuck in a rumination loop, um, I, I felt like it really did a good job of, um, laying out different methodologies to stop the loop, which, which is, you know, sometimes, you know, you can't get out of when you're, you know, overthinking or worrying about something and it's three o'clock in the morning and you really need to go to sleep. So, um, I would, it, that one comes on audiobook. I noticed it was on the Libby app and not Spotify. Um, so that's just something to be mindful of. Um, but yeah, those, those are my couple picks. I will also say, um, I, I don't want to steal Daniel's pick, but I'm also reading the same book he is. So do you, do you want to go, Daniel? Sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, the one that I've got actively going right now is, and I'm going to slightly modify the title just so we don't get an explicit rating. It's <laughs> Leslie <laughs> Effing Jones by Leslie Jones. This uh, is a family show. Yeah, you know, <laughs> close enough. Um, she's uh, uh, well known for being a cast member at Saturday Night Live. Uh, she also uh, does movies, etc. But is essentially talking about you know her life and career, and uh, she's reading it herself, which I approve of, and it's hilarious. As as you've mentioned when we talked about it previously, it's really just her telling a story. It's not very much reading. It doesn't sound like reading a book. It's just her she's, talking about. Yeah, yeah. It just sounds like she's talking because like yes. there's a lot of like. There's a lot of likes, ums, uh, like, yeah, it's it's like you can see her in the booth, like probably like using her hands a lot to talk. Um, but I the, um, approve um, yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I, <laughs> this is like one of those books where um, I wouldn't 
like I wouldn't recommend the paperback or hardback version. I feel like you have to listen to it on audiobook. It, I think it, the experience is so much better. Yeah. Uh, a couple other ones I've got going right now is uh, Maria Bamford, Sure, I'll Join Your Cult, which is pretty hilarious. Um, I also somewhat recently read Spare by Prince Harry. I know people are, had mixed feelings about it, but I actually quite enjoy it. He also reads it himself, so that was pretty cool. I love that. Uh, is there anything in there that you think um, wasn't covered on, on in People magazine? or? Um, I would say he goes into a lot more great detail about how some of the things allegedly went down that would not be covered in a tabloid or semi-tabloid so uh if you're at all interested in the intrigue and how terrible the royals actually are uh it's a good source for that i now, believe it granted he might be a little biased but uh i, I did it didn't come through as much as i thought it would that sounds really good though i have to check that out what about what about you ian what are, what are you currently reading I, th- I know it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I trimmed down my actual currently reading list so that we could actually fit the podcast in under one hour. Um, I, I'd say that the first one uh, that I'm reading right now is The Autistic Brain by Temple Grandin. And Temple Grandin's a, a animal cognition researcher who's also autistic. And... Um, She's uh, turned uh, her incredibly insightful uh, observations around sort of on herself to to talk more about autistic cognition. So I've just started it. And um, as someone who's uh, autistic, um, it uh, it's always interesting, uh, super interesting to me, especially to read something about autistic uh, people and autistic cognition that's written by one of us. I think it, it comes off differently for me. Um, uh, I'm, I also, I, I have a tendency, uh, a lot of my reading is nonfiction, not all of it. I, I do read a, a fair amount of fiction, I, uh, but a lot of my reading is actually trying to figure out how people tick. Um, so it's either, um, reading to figure out how I tick, uh, you know, how I think things and how I, uh, uh, perceive things or how regular folks, uh, think and perceive and things like that. So, um, the the next one I'm reading is Metaphors We Live By, by uh, George Lakoff, who's a linguistics professor. He's uh, uh, very deeply into the uh, science of cognitive linguistics in particular, and cognitive framing, and how um, subtle shifts and subtle foundations can completely change the way people um, uh, both construct their reality and react to um, stimuli from outside that either threatens or um, uh, aligns with it. And I think it's it's incredibly important to um, read stuff like that in this day and age where people really are living in sort of um, in some ways separate realities. So it it's just one of those things where I'm trying to figure out what what makes people tick. Um, 
the, uh, another book I'm reading is uh, by a professor named Paul Slovic. Uh, it's called The Perception of Risk. And obviously in security, we do a, a whole lot of uh, coverage about risk. So um, uh, in, uh, Paul Slovic's one of the leading researchers uh, specifically on risk perception. Uh, so uh, understanding better how people see risk, how people um, uh, process it. Uh, whether it affects them or not, whether, you know, and how it affects them. It's incredibly helpful going forward in security. So it's, it's already been fascinating. Very cool. Uh, and totally okay if you, if you haven't. But I know you and I, you know, we've talked a bit about um, this book called Strong Female Character by Fern Brady. Did you ever get a chance to, to read that? I have not yet. It's, it's uh, very much on my list, but I have not gotten to hit that of you. I so I haven't gotten through all of it yet, but and that's another thing where I have the hardback for book, but it's an audiobook too. And um, so it's so Fern Brady is a Scottish comedian. Um, I've seen her a lot on my husband's really into British game shows, um, so she's on a lot of those game shows, and that's how we first got acquainted with her. But she is also re- she was diagnosed as autistic as an adult. Um, so her book is all about looking back at everything that she says, you know, was missed and, and how it kind of affected the trajectory of, you know, her life really. And yeah. And especially like, you know, being female again, you know, a lot of, uh, I, and Ian, you could correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of, um, I think autism research is primarily founded on, you know, men, and boys and, and what's, and what is, um, what presents in, in males versus what presents in females is, can be different. So, so she talks about what was missed. And, um, I think one of the things that I'm looking forward to and why I haven't necessarily finished it yet is because there is an audiobook and because she's Scottish, she's got an accent. I'm really looking forward to, to the uh, finishing it on the audiobook realm. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to look deeper into that. Um, and and 100% agree with you. Uh, it, it's one of those things, because uh, uh, Travis Hall from Tech Ops and I, you know, we've given a couple talks and uh, things like that now about um, neurodivergence and autism. And one of the things that we underscore when we're doing the talk is um, uh, we're talking about our experience only and especially we can't really um talk about the experience of women because it's so incredibly different um even if we're just narrowing it down to autism the um formation is different the development is different uh, largely because the expectations um put on uh girls and women um is so different from that uh, put on boys and men. So everything develops differently and um, sort of gets expressed differently. So yeah, a hundred percent. It's, it's, it's always worth uh, listening to, uh, to women on their specific experience there. So yeah, I'll have to, uh, I'll have to look this book up. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we exit for today, do we want to talk about our small bookstore recommendations? How about it? I'll go first. Uh, so um, last time I mentioned Visible Voice Books in Cleveland, Ohio. I'm going to mention another Cleveland uh, bookstore recommendation, which is Loganberry Books. Um, 
on the east side of Cleveland and um, very different from my pick from last time where in um, uh, Visible Voice is a is a pretty small bookstore, but still very, very much uh, lots of reason to visit it. Loganberry is um, I, w- I want to describe it. it's got more of a Harry Potter vibe on the inside, like library wise, like you feel like you're in, you know, just like this place that just there's all the knowledge here and uh it's just it's gorgeous on the inside and of course you know there's a cat uh or at least the last time i was there there was you know a cat or two just hanging out and so you gotta like a bookstore that has a pet you know whether or not it's a cat or something yeah something else like i follow this one bookstore on tiktok they have a golden retriever um yeah you gotta you gotta love a place that has a shop pet so Loganberry Books in Cleveland, Ohio, my pick. How about you, Ian? Well, I, I've got two. One of them just occurred to me as as we were talking. The the first actual uh, local recommendation I have is uh, Tatnick Bookseller. Um, currently, uh, I think the only location left is in Westboro, Mass. They used to have a uh, location here in Worcester, Mass, where I am. Um, and, and again, like you were saying, it was kind of, it, it had a kind of magical vibe to it where you just go in and wander around and feel surrounded by all that knowledge. And um, it was sort of a formative experience for me. So I've always had a, a soft spot in my heart for uh, Tatnik bookseller. Um, the other recommendation I want to throw out there, um, uh, partly because uh, I hate waiting. I'm really bad at it. Um, so I tend to buy my books uh, rather than use the, uh, the Libby app and uh, uh, get loans or uh, libraries. Um, there's a, a site, and uh, the only connection I have to them is as a customer, to be clear, called Libro.fm. And uh, they're an audiobook website that benefits local bookstores. You sign up, you choose a local bookstore that will benefit from your purchases. Um, they, the audiobooks that they carry are all free of DRM. They're free of the digital rights media lockdown stuff. So you can download them and you have them in perpetuity. It's not tied to a particular app or a subscription or anything like that. And uh, I, I'd say of the books that I've searched in their catalog, they've had about 90 to 95 percent of them. So um, it, it's a, a fantastic uh, alternative to some of the bigger corporate uh, audiobook uh, choices out there. Very cool. How about how about you, Daniel? I'm going to go for the small bookstore. I'm going to go with Finney Books in the... Seattle Finney slash Greenwood neighborhood. I mean, as the name Finney Books implies, they probably claim uh, Finney, uh, but it's like right on the border between Finney and Greenwood on Greenwood Avenue in Seattle. Uh, And then it's not exactly a small bookstore, but certainly uh, an independent bookstore. And that's Elliott Bay Book Company. That's sort of the granddaddy here in in Seattle of the independent bookstores. Um, They used to be down in Pioneer Square, but some years ago they moved up to Capitol Hill, but still one of an an experience as big as they are and as much as they have. And the fact that they've maintained uh, to stay stay independent all of this time is is pretty impressive. Cool. All right. This has been really fun, you guys. uh, Your picks were amazing, and I'm I'm excited to have some new stuff to add to my never-ending list as well. 
Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with? No, it's just, it's been fun and we should do this more often. I could talk about books all day long. Oh, I'm going to ask you to do this again. (laughs) Maybe have like a quarterly book review or something. That would be fun. So, yeah, absolutely. So on on the last episode, um, we had um, our VP of Research and Data, Sean McNee on, and I told him he could only talk about two books and he was like kind of visibly hurts <laughs> he goes well well you'll list the rest of them right and i go well, well won't you just come back and talk about the other ones <laughs> that tracks with yeah. Sean. That, that really does track yeah so i'm just like yeah we we can absolutely do this again but yeah he he came he came armed and prepared to to discuss some books but yeah um maybe uh that'll be a good pairing ian if you want to come back and talk with Sean but um, it, it'll be hard to keep it under an hour that's all I'll say I listen I I rule with an iron fist over here <laughs> <laughs> no it's as, as we've been saying on the podcast it is a benevolent dictatorship so I will <laughs> be I will be just um, but yeah thank you so much for joining us and thank you to our listeners we hope you uh, you came out with some other stuff to add to, to your book list. And if you're listening to this and you're really, you're in the community and you want to talk about cybersecurity or InfoSec books, you know, please reach out to us. We'd love to have you on and, and discuss more of what you think would be helpful or beneficial to the community. So please give us a shout on social media. Um, we're on everything, including Mastodon. Uh, but thank you so much and catch us next week for another episode of Breaking Badness. See ya. Bye-bye. That's about all we have for this week. You can find us on Twitter, at DomainTools. All of the articles and IOCs mentioned today will be included in our blog post, which can be found at DomainTools.com slash resources slash podcasts. Catch us every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific time when we publish our podcast and blog. We'll see you next week on another episode of Breaking Badness. Until then, remember, don't drink and click.